You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set. Teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survival pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a secure and safe app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter the code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survival pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter in DraftKings' free $1 million survival pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We are going to be running another solo episode here for the midweek episode, so this will be a nice and short one. We have um, a little bit of NHL news here to talk about that I will get to at the very end of the episode, Um, and I'm actually going to save one of the big headlines for the next episode when Kyle returns because I want to break down some of the, the big stuff with him and get his opinion on it. One of the things I am going to be talking about that I will get right to right now is the last battle of Alberta. Edmonton took on Calgary here on the last Monday after having a four-game win streak snapped by the Vancouver Canucks. We hoped to get back into the win column in the Battle of Alberta. However, we fall in another really tight 4-3 loss to the Flames. Mike Smith started in this game. Me and Kyle both predicted that the Oilers would win this game. However, we both would predict wrong. I would predict the correct score. However, obviously, I predicted the Oilers to win, so I only go up by one point with a 15 to 14 lead for our prediction. Um, it was a pretty quiet first period in the terms of offense. The only really big talking points out of the first period is Jujar Kara lays a really big hit, and then a little bit later in the game, he has to answer the bell and he gets into a pretty spirited fight with Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie definitely gets advantage of him and clocks him a couple times pretty good. Um, Kara would hit the ice, lose the fight, and then pretty almost immediately we could tell that he was hurt and he was led down the tunnel. It looked like maybe his wrist was hurt. It was a pretty even match and then uh, Ritchie just seemed to get the better of him. 
And once he hit the ice, uh, I just I wasn't really sure he would leave the game and not return. And then the other thing, unfortunately, the injuries would continue to pile up for the Oilers here. Tyson Berry would leave after I didn't really see a specific play that he got hurt on. However, he would leave the game and he would show up briefly at the beginning of the third period. However, he did not play. The Oilers played with five defensemen the whole game, which was interesting. It definitely put a bit more of a squeeze and puts a bit more of a spotlight on the other defensemen. And we saw that Ethan Baird didn't have a very good game. There were a lot of turnovers. He looked a little flustered in his own zone between some of the forechecking. There were some just really bad turnovers by the Oilers in general, which was a theme throughout this game that I will get to later. So the Oilers go into the second period tied 0-0. However, they're down a forward and a defenseman. Um, neither of them would return. And then the Flames would jump on the board first. Dylan Dubé would score after McDavid turnover in the neutral zone he would come in alone and snipe five hole on Smith to go up by one um, like I said the Oilers had a lot of turnovers in this game I wasn't sure if it was just maybe a new style of play that the Oilers aren't used to because this is the first time they are, they are going to be playing the Flames with Daryl Sutter as the head coach so maybe you know it's just some system matchups that they're not used to that hopefully will be able to be cleaned up in the next battle of Alberta that I'll talk about in the upcoming game segment yeah so like I said a lot of turnovers in this game um, some of them you know, leaded directly to this one nothing goal. Uh, the Flames then would go up 2 nothing on an Elias Lindholm goal. He would score off the rush to make it 2 nothing. Adam Larson would score his third goal of the season from in the blue paint, and he had a big celly because Adam Larson scores a lot of either through traffic screen goals or weird deflection goals. So it's it's interesting and, and definitely different to see him score like a real heavy on his stick, sort of uh, sort of a skill play. He follows up his own rebound and, and buries it with a big celly. So nice to see him get a little bit more offense and our defense keeps along, along chugging. Unfortunately, any good momentum that was built there, and I've said that I was expecting one of these from Smith because it is only a matter of time with just the, the way that he plays. He's a fantastic puck-moving goaltender, and we talk about that in almost every game. All the panels, you know, all the commentators always mention he's such a good puck-moving goaltender. And then we see it bite the Oilers in this case. He goes out to, you know, get it. It hops over his stick and into the trapezoid where he can't play it. Onto Lucic's stick in front and boom, it's in the back of the net for a 3-1 lead. The, the Flames would regain that two-goal lead to make it a little bit more difficult for the Oilers to climb the mountain and make the comeback. Luckily, Josh Archibald playing on the fourth line with Devin Shore would score pretty late in the second period, this being a five-goal period, much more exciting compared to the first period. Um, he would score on a really good redirect to bring the Oilers within one. And I gotta say, Devin Shore has looked really good recently. The last couple of games, I've been really impressed with him. Um, I even think back to the Ottawa game where he had that really nice setup to Jujar Kara. Now here he has a good setup to Archibald. He's got a little bit of playmaking. I'd like to maybe see him start to bury it, but I think as a fourth line forward, he's putting in a lot of energy. I notice him a lot more in the offensive, you know, really positive situations on the ice. And that's really all you can ask for from a fourth liner. So I've been really impressed with Devin Shore. And I look forward to seeing him, you know, play a little bit more and maybe get a little bit more minutes here with Jujar Kara potentially being out of the lineup injured. Early in the third period, Leon Dreisaitl would tie the game. The Oilers would 
be able to come all the way back and regain after the Flames went up two by two in the second period. Dreisaitl with a beautiful snipe off of another McDavid drop pass to him in the offensive zone. Um, he keeps right along rolling. That line gets a little bit of offense. They were a little bit quiet, but you know it, it's hard to keep that line completely off the sh- score sheet. Unfortunately, Markstrom made a few good plays, and you know the Flames, like I said, they just they're really teams are really starting to smother the Oilers in transition from defense to offense in that neutral zone. Then with 13:28 left in the third period, Noah Hannafin would score off the rush. This is a goal where it's a three on two, but I really wish Smith. I would have liked to save on this goal. I'm not going to point fingers too hard at Smith. I think he played an okay game. You know, that one goal to put them up by two, the 3-1 goal is hard because he's obviously left the net. So that's a bit of a backbreaker, but we were able to come back. This is one I'd like to save on. He doesn't make the save. They go down one and the Oilers, we see it again. You know, they're able to complete the comeback and then they have the lead, you know, or the tie slip away from them again, and then they can't complete that comeback, and they lose 4-3 to the Flames, and they fall to a record of 18-13-0. You know, and then they even said in the post game, there was a lot of talk about the turnovers in the neutral zone, like I was saying, that really killed them, and they said they shot themselves in the foot, and I, I gotta agree. You know, I think there were moments, I think they, they played well enough where they could have win, but they really just took themselves out of the games with their own mistakes that you know, cost them the game. Luckily, however, they do get to have another attempt to turn around. Like I said, I, I've been saying this season, I really like how we play a couple small mini series versus teams to give the Oilers, you know, the opportunity to turn it around and that adjustment game, which is really nice. They have a first half of a back-to-back here on the time I'm recording this versus the Flames. They are currently 3-2 versus the Flames in the season series. The Flames are 14-12-3 after that win over the Oilers on Monday. Unfortunately, like I said, and obviously Kyle is not here. However, I did text him before I decided to record just so we could get some predictions for this week so we could keep our score prediction going. I'm predicting a 4-2 win. He is predicting a 5-3 win, so that'll be interesting to see which one of us gets a little bit closer. Um, Some other interesting notes going into this game since the lineup has already been announced at the time I'm recording this. Zach Cassian has been activated off of the injury reserve, so he is back in the Battle of Alberta. I will be interested to see how he is able to you know, maybe change the makeup of this game. Obviously, he is a huge physical presence, and I will be also interested to see where he slots in the lineup. Like like I said, Jujar Kara is not going to be in this game, so he might just fit right into that spot. But like I said, he's got a physical presence. He is always potential to fight or lay some big hits, bring some energy, and turn the game around. Some of my favorite Battle of Alberta moments have been because of Zach Cassian. So I think he brings a lot to this one and a big change from maybe the last few battles of Alberta. And the other lineup note is Tyson Berry not being in this one. They activate Bouchard from the taxi squad. He comes back into the lineup after having sat a few games. So I'll be interested to see how he is able to come in and hopefully zip the puck around. And I'll be interested to see who ends up playing with Nurse. I predict they probably will go with Bear and then maybe have a Jones and Bouchard pairing, but we'll see how that ends up shaking out. The Oilers then turn around tomorrow night in the second half of the back-to-back after this game versus the Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. The season series is currently tied at two, and the Jets are in second place above the Oilers with a record of 17-9-2. I'm predicting a 3-2 win, and the reason I'm actually predicting that is, one, all of the last few 
Oilers-Jets games have been really tight, almost one-goal games. I know the Jets have got a couple out of hand over the Oilers. And I texted Kyle, and he predicted a one-goal 3-2 win as well. So I think I looked at that. I figured I, I figured I know how that the last little bit of these games versus the Jets have gone. And I'm going to join him on the 3-2 win. The Oilers then, depending on how that goes, there is the adjustment game on Saturday again versus the Jets. I'm predicting a 5-3 win, and I'm going to add on a little baby prop bet. I say Josh Archibald seems to be the only Oiler that can score empty net goals, so I will say Josh Archibald scores the empty net goal to win the game 5-3 for the Oilers. Kyle predicted a 4-2 win. He's predicting that the Oilers go on a pretty big hot streak here after going down by two. That would be nice to see. However, I am going to take a quick break here and then I will come back to talk about a little bit of NHL news and then I will wrap this thing up, keep a nice short and sweet midweek episode and then we will come back on Monday and talk about the big news around the NHL. He's my brother Mike. He's my brother Matt. And we are the brothers of discussion hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a vote. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras of Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present. I swear they're there. And paint the picture of what's to come in the Winged Wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings, and I'm going to play games like Who's That, Who's that Pokemon? Pokemon? Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context. For Jeff Lashon, we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Eiserman and play Be the GM. Finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave and Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. Alrighty, and we are back. Big shout out to all of the other content over at the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, you guys hear different ads in the middle of every episode for different podcasts we do here on the Hockey Podcast Network. So if you're just a hockey nerd and want more hockey content, or if maybe you know someone who's a fan of one of the other teams and is looking for some solid podcast content, be sure to post them over to any of the hockey podcast stuff because they ha we have a podcast for every team and you know a bunch of other podcasts just following a bunch of other hockey related content. It's awesome and good fun, so I highly suggest you guys go check that out. Okay, we are going now to go over to the news from around the league. We've got one big piece of news here. The milestones for Alexander Ovechkin just keep going. He scores another goal to pass Phil Esposito for sixth all-time on the NHL scoring record list. He now sits alone with 718 goals. Alexander Ovechkin, and I'm going to say this again very loud with my chest and so the people in the back can hear, Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of our generation. All right? 
at least for me, this guy has scored goals upon goals. You know it's coming. Like, we see it here in the goal he scores here to pass and become sixth all-time versus the Islanders. It's just a perfect Alexander Ovechkin on the power play, up to the point, over to him, one-timer in the net. It's unstoppable. You know it's coming, and you cannot stop it. And he does it over and over and over again. He's one of the best goal scorers of all time. I still think that if he wants, he really can give Gretzky a run for his money, and I think he can do it. I think it would be an incredible athletic achievement, and I I hope he does it. I'd like to see him do that in my lifetime. I think that'd be very, very cool. So big kudos to Alexander Ovechkin. He keeps burying him, and I hope he keeps on doing it, and I'm sure he will at the rate he's going. So I look forward to having him back on here and NHL News when I can, you know, keep ticking him off and up the ladder of milestones till eventually, you know, maybe he can pass the great one and become the greatest goal scorer ever the greatest goal scorer ever. I think he has the talent and the potential to do it, so I would like to see that. The other big piece of news is a little less fun, and Sabres fans, you know, if you are listening to this, I'm sorry because, you know, a lot of people have been dunking on you guys this week. The Sabres hit 12 losses in a row, and they fire their head coach, Ralph Kruger. Now, Edmonton Oilers fans, you may understand and feel a little bit for Sabres fans here, especially when you hear Ralph Kruger getting fired in the middle of just a terrible season. Um, We've been there. We've done that. We've seen that. Unfortunately, with Sabres fans, you know, they had what they had a pretty exciting team going into this year with Taylor Hall, obviously Jack Eichel. We found out this week Jack Eichel is now out for probably the foreseeable future with an injury. Taylor Hall just got hit in the face earlier this week with a puck, busted his face open yet again. Oilers fans, like this should be very, very familiar. You guys should be getting PTSD from all the stuff I'm saying here. Um, Sabres fans just not having a good week at all. I want to break this down a little bit more in depth with Kyle and see what's going on. Sabres fans are upset. You have talent, especially now with Eichel out. It's hard to see maybe what the rest of the season is for and what's going to happen at the deadline. I think from an Oilers perspective, I think Oilers should be looking at the Sabres. And I think a lot of teams around the leagues are starting to look at the Sabres for what can we take here? What has value and what are we willing to give away? I think obviously the Sabres have admitted that they're open to talks on everything and anything. I think the Oilers should look at potentially Linus Olmark for goaltender for the future possibilities. I think that would be an interesting look. I think that's got some merit. Hell, spin the wheels on Taylor Hall. See what it would bring him in to do a playoff run. I think that would be, that's kind of crazy. That might be a little hot take. That might be probably cost too much, but I think that would be an interesting look, especially because he's a free agent at the end of this year. There's not a ton of risk, you know, besides what the overpaying you might have to do to get him for, you know, maybe 20 games at best. So there is value from what we could potentially take from a bad Sabres year. But I want to get to, you know, what's going on with the Sabres a little bit more that I will do that this weekend when I record with Kyle and you beautiful folks will get to listen to it 
on Monday. And so that is going to do it for this episode of the Rig Rats podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check us out on Twitter while the games are going on. I like to tweet out my thoughts and feelings about the games that I'm able to actually sit down and watch because some of the games I actively work at night. So it makes things a little bit difficult. But the nights that I am blessed to be home to watch the Oilers, I will be sure to be tweeting. So be sure to follow us. That's going to be at the rig underscore rats on Twitter. And like I said, give the Hockey Podcast Network a follow for other contests, giveaways, and stuff that we do around the network. That's going to be at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. And then be sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. It helps out a great deal. Be sure to check out DraftKings, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Hopefully this Battle of Alberta has some fireworks, maybe potential goalie fight. And uh, as always, let's go Oilers! Oilers!